And when you see something in your life or something around in, in, in our community that isn't right, we have two choices. One, we can just ignore it and pretend it's not there and try to move on with our lives. Or we can address it and try to fix that situation. Now imagine that, uh, how many of you went uh, Christmas uh, uh, shopping on Black Friday? Wow, you guys are amazing. I'm like, not many of you. I went shopping Black Friday. I hate it, and, uh, uh, but I got some good deals, so I was pleased. But if you're there out shopping on Black Friday, there's so many people. It's like craziness. People are getting crushed to death and everything. And then you see somebody who is maybe shoplifting. And they take something. It may not be something very big. It may be just a piece of candy. And they stick it in their pocket. Now, what are you going to do in that situation? Some of you, you may address that person. You may say something to that person. Others may call an associate. When others, they just may like, well, it's not my store. You know, if he gets caught, he gets caught. I'm just going to turn a blind eye. Now, some of, mo- I guarantee probably most of us... and. Not here at Generation Church because you know you're all good people and you tell the associate. But most people in in our community would probably turn a blind eye. Because it's not theirs. It's not their store. And they're like, I don't don't want to have the hassle of dealing with it. But yet, if you were the store owner, it would bother you. And you would do something about it. You wouldn't just let somebody come in and take all this stuff from the store. You would do something about it. And I think if something bothers you uh, enough, you're going to do something about it in your life. And this is what happened to Raquel, my wife, and and I about three years ago. We started to evaluate our lives, where we were with our lives. We started looking at our friends and evaluating their lives. We started looking at the people in the churches that we were serving in at the time. And we started evaluating their lives. And we saw something That was bothering us. We saw a huge gap that was forming. And we realized that there were so many people who were turning away from God. And they were doing it at such a pace that we had never seen before. People were becoming less and less committed to the local church. And the church was dying because of it. We found many people who had been hurt, who had been rejected, and who had been taken advantage of by people that they were calling their spiritual leaders. And just some, there was something that just was not right. We saw a lot of people turning away from the church because they were realizing whether they went to church or not, it had no significance on their lives. If they went to a church Sunday morning, it had nothing to do with what would happen on a Monday morning. And so we started seeing people turning away from the church. We started seeing some of our friends go through issues and turning away from God. We started seeing a lot of our friends going through marital issues and and, and divorce and pain. And we started seeing so much. And we were like, this is not right. We actually saw a generation of people leaving the church in droves. And then there was another generation that was growing up who had never really heard experienced or seen lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I remember when I was growing up, I would hear my parents talk about stories of of how God had changed people's lives. I I would hear stories of people who had been healed, people who had been baptized and their lives had been totally changed. And I was seeing a generation of kids 
who weren't hearing these stories. And it bothered me. One belief I've always had is this. And I still have it today. And I had it three years ago. I had it ten years ago. And I have it today. And this is the belief. I believe that the local church is the hope for the world. The local church is the hope for the world. And this is why I believe it. Because the local church is the very hands and feet and mouthpiece of Jesus Christ. And I believe that Jesus Christ is the hope for the world. And I've seen the local church all across this globe reaching out to people and being hope for these people. But yet, three years ago, I started looking at the church here in the United States of America. And I'm being very generalized here. And I started seeing the church in America go in the same way as I had seen for 25 years in the UK. And that was a church that was on the decline and a church that was dying. So we came to this conclusion. This bothered us. This bothered us to a point where we realized we had to do something about it. And if we didn't do it, then who was going to do it? We realized that our kids were probably going to grow up, probably never hearing the message of Jesus Christ. Never seeing people's lives radically change. Never seeing people's, uh, uh, seeing the miracles and the different things that my parents had talked about. And this bothered us. We saw a generation not defined by age, not defined by race, not defined by social status, but it was a group of people who were living at this time who were becoming disconnected or were already disconnected by the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. And so the result was that we birthed this church called Generation Church. And we started this church what, uh, a year and two months ago with a vision to reach out to a generation. And this vision has not changed. This vision is the same. And the reason we started this church is because we believe that the hope of this world is the local church. We could have started an organization. And last week we saw Jason and Shelley Yost who came and they were talking about orphans and an incredible organization that they, they started. And that is great and it's wonderful and we will support them. But for us, we realized that if we wanted to reach a generation, an organization wasn't good enough. It had to be a church because the church of their very hands and feet is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the hope for the world. I believe that when Jesus touches people, his hands heal, his hands restore, and his hands save. His hands give clarity. His hands give enlightenment. His hands show God for who God really is. I believe that when Jesus touches, he, he touches and he brings forgiveness. And he brings hope and he brings peace. And as a local church, we are the very hands and feet of Jesus Christ. So when we touch people, it's as if Jesus Christ is touching people. And if we are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ has the power to heal, to restore, to save, to bring peace, to bring hope, to bring forgiveness and restoration, then we as a local church, we have the ability that when we touch people, then we come and we bring restoration and we bring hope and we bring peace. 
And so everything that we do in this church is, in a, is, is uh, with a hope to reach out to our generation. Uh, and we've done this, I think, for the past two years. But for the past two years, I've had this question in the back of my mind. And the question was this. How is it possible to reach out to a whole generation? I mean, when we think, we think a generation is a, is, is a group of people who are living at this time, not defined by age or race or social status, but basically we look at our community, that is our generation. How can we reach out to a generation? And then the second question I kept asking God was like, okay, how can a little church startup reach out to a generation? How can we reach out to these people and bring this life-giving message of Jesus Christ to these people? I kept saying to God, I was like, God, but people are so different. One size doesn't fit all. We're going to have to do this and that and that to, to even make a dent into this generation. And so for the last two years, I think I've been on a journey and I've been searching. How can we reach out? How can we as a, 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 as a church reach out to these people around us? How can we reach out to our friends and our families? And over the last two years, I think God has given us a little glimpse, especially over the last year since we started this church. I think God has given us a little glimpse into what it looks like to start reaching out to a generation. I think God has shown us little glimpses here and there, what it's like when people's lives start to change and people start receiving the the very life-giving message of Jesus Christ. And in the meantime, you know, we've, We've, we've prayed together, we've, we've studied God's word together, you know, we've brainstormed together. I've got like tons of notepads where I've just written like little notes and things like that. We've asked questions, I've asked questions of you and you've asked questions of me and we've asked questions of God. We've sought the Lord and searched the, Bibles for, the Bible for answers. And I'll be honest, I think I've come to the conclusion of what we as a church should start doing. I think I've come to the conclusion of what we as a church should start doing to reach out to this generation. It's been a long search. All I knew in the very beginning was God was calling us to start a church. We had this vision to reach out to a generation, but I was like, God, I need the details. I need the details. And I think God is starting to fill in those details. I believe that God is taking us as a church to a place where we will be able to reach a generation. And he's showing us what our focus should be. And so today what I want to do, in just the moments we have left, I want to share with you this discovery. The discovery that I think I found through the word of God and through lots of hours of prayer. And I think this discovery is a discovery that we're going to structure our church around. We've talked with some of the leaders and And we're all in agreement. This is what God wants us to do as a church. And it's a structure or a way of doing church so that we have one hope. Or we can reach out with one hope. And that is to reach this generation with the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what I want to do today, I want to share with you what I believe that God has been just dealing with my life. And dealing with us as leaders here at this church. And where I believe God has taken us as a church. And we've kind of packaged it into three very simple things. So that you can go away today and you will know these very three very simple things. 
And the first thing is, I believe, if we want to reach a generation for Jesus Christ, then we must reach a generation, firstly, with spiritual change. Spiritual change. I believe that there is something deep inside the heart of mankind to be close to their Creator. Whether someone is a Christian, whether someone's a Jew or a Muslim, someone's a Buddhist, they're an atheist or just an agnostic, there is something deep within their heart or deep within their soul that they want to be close to their Creator. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11, it says this, it said, yet God made everything beautiful for, his own, for its own time. And then listen to this. It says, he has planted eternity in the heart of man. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. I believe in each and every one of us, God has planted eternity in our hearts. There is something within us that sees more than just this world, sees more than just something that, uh, that just our daily lives. There is something within us that sees eternity. We may not be able to call it eternity. We may not be able to put our finger on it, but there is something within every one of us that knows that there is more to this life. When I was growing up, one of my favorite uh, stories was the story of Pinocchio. And you know the story of Pinocchio. Pinocchio was this little puppet and basically, he wanted to be a real boy. And so what he did, instead of just listening to his maker, Geppetto, uh, he basically rebelled and he, and he ran away from home. And he started seeing all these pleasures in this life because he wanted to be a real boy. And he wanted to do the things that real boys did. And what we started to see, we started to see that Pinocchio started to, to fill his life and turn away from his creator, who is Geppetto, and started to turn his, his, his eyes and his ears towards this world and all the pleasures of this world. And the story was that basically, in the end, Pinocchio found himself in the bottom of the sea and, and his creator had to come and rescue him. And I think that's the same as us. I think every one of us, we... we we, we have something within us that we realize there must be more to life. And so we start searching here and we start searching there. And we, re, we don't think it's with our creator. We think it's with something else. And I think man searches for this gap in his life. And he tries to be whole. But yet, it is only your creator who can make you whole. You can search and search and search. But it is only your creator who can make you whole. And I believe the problem for so many is that they have no idea who their creator is. I think there is a generation of people out there, they have no idea who their creation, who their creator is, and what it actually means to be close to their creator. For so many, they think when you think of church and Christianity and Jesus Christ, this is what they think, they think, that isn't what I'm searching for. That's just dead old religion with a bunch of rules and regulations. Why do I want that? They start looking at the church and they think, well, it's boring. It's not relevant to my life. That isn't what I'm searching for. They start seeing people who profess to be Christians, but their lifestyles are just like, they, their lifestyles just stink. And they start looking at it and think, that is not what I'm looking for. But here at Generation Church, I believe that God is calling us 
Not just me, but God is calling us as a church to reach out to this generation in spiritual ways. What do you mean by spiritual ways? Well, what I mean by spiritual ways is I believe that God has mandated us as a church and charged us as a church to show this this generation, to show our community what a real relationship looks like with our Creator. I believe that we are to show this generation that the ways of God are good. Not bad, but they are good. That the laws and the commandments of God are a blessing and not a curse. They're not just rules and regulations, but they are a blessing and a way to live life. I believe that God has called us as a church, or is telling us as a church, to show this generation what it means to be in relationship with your Creator. And by our Creator, I mean the one who created the heavens and the earth. The Bible calls Him Yahweh calls him Elohim. It calls him I am. It calls him the Father, God the Father. And then within God the Father, there is God the Son, Jesus Christ. And then there is the Holy Spirit. There is a three in one. And I believe that is who we need to show this generation what a real relationship with this Creator looks like. So our whole Sunday morning is kind of centered around this. This belief that we want to show you what it means to be close to God. And then once you get close to God, how to stay close to God. How to grow in your relationship with God. We sing songs and we worship God. We give a sermon or a talk and we take communion all for one reason. And that is to help you spiritually. Help you spiritually. To help you connect and discover God. To help you grow in your relationship with God and help you understand God and understand His ways and understand His purposes and then in return understand your purposes for your life. I think Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 kind of sums everything up. Is what I'm talking about here in spiritual change. It says there, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God, the Creator God, transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. This is my whole goal on Sunday morning, is to help you start to understand who God is, and what God means for your life, and how you can grow in that relationship with Because he is the hope for this world. And he is the hope for your life. He is the hope for your family. He is the hope for your friends. And he is the hope for our community. By changing the way that we think. By showing God's ways and his purposes. I believe there is a generation out there who can only be reached by helping them see spiritually who God is. To see God, to understand God. Because He is the one with the answers for today. Nobody else. He is the hope for this world. And we as a church, we are the hands and feet and mouthpiece of Jesus Christ. And we have the answers. All written in this book. And as a church, it's our duty to help people understand God. And connect them with God. I also believe it's not just spiritual change that's going to help this generation. But there's another kind of change. And that is a relational change. 
I believe the biggest tragedy to humankind since the beginning of the world is this. And that is the breakdown of relationships. The breakdown of relationships. In the very beginning, man's relationship with God broke down in a garden called Eden when man and woman ate an apple that they should not have eaten or a fruit that they should not have eaten. Their relationship with God broke down and as a result, their relationship with each other started breaking down as well. Life is lonely and miserable without relationships. Imagine your life without relationships. Imagine that your life without your kids or your spouse or your parents or your friends. Life would be lonely. There's so many people out there who are depressed and they're hurt and they're giving up because of a breakdown in relationships. And I think not only is eternity in the heart of man, but also relationships are in the heart of man as well. Listen to this, in uh, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. It says there, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. And the same is today, it is not good for you to be alone. To do life by yourself? Wow, that's a terrible place to be. Then in John chapter, uh, John chapter 15, And verse 12 and 13, it says this. It says, this is my commandment. This is what Jesus is saying. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for his friends. So not only are you uh, not to be alone, but now you are to love each other as well. Love each other. As brothers, as friends. And then in James chapter 5 and verse 16. It says there, it says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for one another that you may be healed. So now we're not to just be alone, but now we're to love each other. And then the next step is we're to confess our sins and basically be transparent with one another. And pray for one another and help one another. And as I look out of our, our, out at our generation, I see this. I see a lot of communication, but I see very little relationship. A lot of communication, but very little relationship. We see social media just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Facebook, Twitter, and uh, blogging and everything. Computers have taken over the world. Every one of us have probably got a cell phone. Most of us have the internet. It is so easy to converse with somebody or connect with somebody else. But I think the biggest lie our generation has been told is this. If we just communicate, we will have a relationship. But yet, being relational and being in relationship is so much more than just communication. It is more than communication. And I believe there is a deep longing inside each, uh, each and every one of us to be loved. To be cared for. And also to care for others. I believe that there is a longing to be able to be totally transparent with each other without the fear of being judged. I mean, let's be honest. Most of us would love you to just sit down and not have to put up any pretenses, not have to put any walls, not have to, not have to, uh, to, to pretend, but don't you just sit down and be totally yourself with other people. 
I believe there is a longing to just be yourself and enjoy life with other people. And this is where true relationships happen. I think our generation often views relationships through the eyes of sex, through the eyes of social status, through the eyes of social media, and through the eyes of just helping ourselves. But what I've found is that in our lives is that unless we connect with other people on a relational way, then there is something deep within us that is missing. Something else i found as well, i found probably the people who I would have never thought I would have related to, I actually relate to the most. I believe the way to reach this generation is to show them what a real relationship is. We have so many kids who are growing up. And they think divorce is normal. And some of you this morning, you've been through divorces and they're, they're, they're horrible and they're nasty. And it, you wouldn't wish it on anybody else. And you know that divorce is not normal. But yet we have a generation of kids who are growing up. I remember my, my, my wife was, uh, uh, was talking about some of the kids in her school. And they were saying uh, uh, that she's got a picture of me on, uh, by her computer. And they were saying... Who's that? Is it your boyfriend? And uh, she's like, yeah, that's my boyfriend. And uh, she said, that's my husband. And they said, well, uh, how long have you been together? And they said, well, she said, well, we've been together seven years. And one of the kids was like, whoa, seven years. That's an eternity. They said, well, how long are you going to stay together? And she says, forever. And they were like, forever? And, they said, and then the little kid said this to her. Nobody stays together forever. Nobody stays together forever. And I thought, when I heard that, I was like, that is typical of our generation. Broken relationships are the norm. But yet they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be the norm. And I believe the way to reach this generation is to love them in a way that they've never seen love before. To care for them in a way that they do not recognize And to be there for them when no one else is there for them. When everybody else leaves, stick around for them. Spiritual change, relational change. But as I close today, final thing. I don't believe that we can reach out to someone spiritually until first you've reached out to them relationally. And I don't believe that you can reach out to someone relationally Until first, you've gained their trust and you've reached out to them in what I call tangible ways. Relationships are not easy to form. People are skeptical. People have been burnt. You can't just walk up to someone and say, hey, let me introduce you to Jesus Christ. Let me just uh, introduce you and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They're going to think you're crazy. I believe there is a step That is a church that we must make in order to reach this generation. And before we can reach uh, reach them relationally, we have to reach them tangibly. You know, this generation needs to see first that you care for them and you are there for for the long haul before they're going to trust you in anything. They need to know that you care for them, that you love them, and you're not just here's the day and gone tomorrow, but you're there for the long haul. This generation has so many needs and issues. And I'll be honest, I don't think there's been a time in my lifetime where I've seen people with as many needs 
as what we see today. I'm going to read two Bible verses to you. And these two Bible verses basically rocked my world a couple of years ago. And I've never been able to get them out of my head, and I hope I never will be able to get them out of my head. Because I really think that this is what the gospel comes down to. This isn't just the gospel, but this is part of the gospel. And for so many years, I missed this out of my life. It says in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 17, it says, Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. And fight for the rights of widows. You know, when I hear that, I think, well, that's the government's job. But the Bible is saying, no. It's the people of God, it's their job. To fight for justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of the orphans, to help the widows. And then, in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31, it says this. It says, but when the Son of Man, which is Jesus, comes... In his glory, that means Jesus is coming back again to this earth with all his angels with him. And then he will sit on his glorious throne. That's in heaven. And all the nations, and that includes us, will be gathered in Jesus' presence. And they will separate people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right hand, over here, and the goats On his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, to the sheep, he will say, Come, you are who are blessed by my father, the creator God. Inherit the kingdom of uh, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. It says, For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and And you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones, the sheep over here, will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and gave you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king, that's Jesus, will say to them, I tell you the truth, when you did it for the least of these, my brothers and sisters, so when you did it for the poor and the needy, you did it for me. Then the king will turn to the ones on his left, the goats, and he will say, away with you. You cursed ones into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And Jesus will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters the hurting and the needy, you were refusing to help me. And the goats will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous, the sheep, 
will go into eternal life. You know, for years, I honestly believed that it was the government's job to care for the hurt and the needy. Us Christians, our job was to come to church and praise God and tell the world about Jesus Christ, but never to help the hurting and the needy. But yet, the Bible says, when you refuse to help the hurting and the needy, you refuse to help me. And Jesus says, those people swept away in eternal punishment. I'll be honest, I don't want to take my chances. I think I want to be a sheep, not a goat. They're cute at any rate, sheep are. I honestly believe that outreach is the heart of God. When God sees someone who is hurted and needy, his heart goes out to them. And if outreach is the very heart of God, then it's got to be at the very center of what we do as a church. It's got to be at the heart of the church. And I believe that there is a day that is coming when Christ will say to those, my, div- my marriage was on the rocks and heading for divorce and you didn't intervene. The single mother couldn't balance her paycheck and being employed and keeping up the kids. And Jesus will say, you didn't offer your time. I think Jesus will say, I was lonely, but you didn't come and talk with me. I think Jesus will say, I couldn't balance my paycheck, but you let me kept on spending. I think Jesus will say, I was abused as a kid, but you turned a blind eye. I think Jesus will say, I was flunking out of school, but you refused to mentor me. I think Jesus will say, I needed a father but you chose your own comforts. I think Jesus will say, I was distressed, but you really didn't care. And we'll say, Jesus, when were you lonely? When were you getting a divorce? When were you, when were you, uh, 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 when were you flunking out of school? And Jesus will say, when you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. And I think there is a generation who may never hear the life-given message of Jesus Christ because we have stopped living out the gospel and instead we've just received the gospel. And I'll be honest, I do not want to be a Christ follower who just receives the gospel. I want to be able to give the gospel. And giving the gospel means that we tell others about Jesus. It means that we love others and then it means we help the poor and the needy and those who are hurting and those who are distressed. You know, God has convicted me deeply in these matters. And I think we can't reach a generation relationally until first we've reached them tangibly. And we can't reach them spiritually until first we've reached them relationally. And so from now on, I think as, ge- as Generation Church, everything that we're going to do is going to revolve around these three diseases. The disease of spiritual emptiness, the disease of dysfunctional relationships, and the disease of the oppressed and the injustice. And if we choose not to reach our generation, then I ask you today, who will? Who will reach our generation? I think Christ has mandated us here at Generation to do our part. Let us not be people who hear Christ say you didn't. But let us be people who hear Christ say you did. Well done. You did. You know, there's so many different ways that you can help. And you can reach out. 
Just here on a, on a Sunday morning, we have so many needs. We have needs in the nursery. We have needs out in, in hospitality and greeting people. And I think, personally, what, what a great, what greater way to reach out to someone with a message of Jesus Christ is this, saying, you know, I volunteer in my, in my church's nursery. I think you're good with kids. Why don't you come and volunteer with me? You know what that says to someone? That says to someone, first, you be care about kids. Secondly, I like to serve. And thirdly, I think I would like to serve with you. Or you see someone who's friendly, you know, and you've got a friend who is a great handshaker, and they are friendly, they've got a big smile on their face, and you can say, you know, I serve on a Sunday morning in this church, and I greet people as they come in the door. I think you'd be great. You want to come and greet with me? And that says to that person, it says, we're a friendly church. We're welcoming church. I serve. And I would love to serve with you as well. I think as a church, we need to start thinking outside the box. We're going to give some coats away to some kids, and that's great. But that's once a year. It needs to be a lifestyle. What I'm going to ask to do at, at the moment is Chris and Jill, they're going to hand out some envelopes to you. And here in this envelope, there's something I want to challenge you guys with. As you open it up today, you're going to find in there, you're going to find a little card with nothing on it. You're going to find some instructions, and you're going to find a $10 bill. And what I want you to do this week, or in the next couple of weeks, I want us to start thinking how we can reach out to people. How can we reach out to our generation? How can we reach out to our community in ways that will reach them? And so what I want each and every one of us to do over the next few weeks is take this $10 and use it to reach out to someone. We're not asking for any of it back. We're kind of doing a reverse offering this morning. Yeah, we're giving away money. Whoa. But... We did this a few years ago when we started the church. And a little core team, we did this. And it was one of the hardest exercises I've ever done in my life. Because it took me out of my comfort zone. And it took me to a place where I felt compassion or I felt sympathy for people. But I didn't really know how to reach out tangibly to people. But what I want you to do with this $10 bill, I want you over the next few weeks to pray about it, to think about it. God, how can I use this $10 bill to reach out to my generation? It's only $10, it's not much. Maybe for some of you, it may be that you've got somebody who they're really struggling to understand God. Maybe you just go and buy a book for someone to help them understand God, and you give them a book. For others, it may be that you need to develop some relationships with someone, and you need to go and take them out to Starbucks. Just have a conversation with them. Some of you, you may be having some issues with your family members. And you haven't spent time with your family members. Go and spend this 10 bucks to go and buy breakfast or something with them. For others, you may see a need in our community. And you may think, I would love to meet that need. You may go down to Baltimore, walk in Baltimore. You may see a homeless person 
and you just give that to a homeless person. You may know of a single mother who's just struggling to buy their kids Christmas presents and it's only 10 bucks, but yet it may help with just one Christmas present this year. But I want you to use this $10 for anything that you feel that you want to use it for. But just do it with one thing, that you're doing it to reach out to a generation. There's a blank card in there as well. What I would love for you to do, and you don't have to do it, some of you may not want to, but I would love to hear some of the stories of how you've used your $10. And all I would ask you to do is just write on the blank card how you've used it, and then drop it in our Dropbox on a Sunday, or just send us an email at info at thisgen.com, how you've used your $10. But what I want us as a church, and from this day forward, going forward, I want us to be a church that is thinking about this generation and how we can reach this generation. I want us to be a church that's not thinking about ourselves, about just receiving and receiving and receiving and receiving. But I want us to be a church that is giving and giving and giving. And it means that we may be a little uncomfortable at times and take us out of our comfort zone. But this is just something from us to help you get started. Next year, we're going to do a lot of outreach stuff. We're going to do a lot of things that some of you, you may get excited about. Others, you think, oh, I can't do that. But all I know is that over the next few weeks, months, and years, I want us to be a church that Jesus will say, you did it, not you didn't. Let's pray.